you need to bridge the gap, so to speak, as a construction technologist between, um, between your office or technology, whatever, uh, however you want to characterize that, and, um, and your field operations and act as an ambassador uh, of sorts. And part of that is discovering people who, who are willing to champion initiatives for you. Or who are Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is a construction technologist who has a love for helping skilled trade workers, labor supervision, and project management teams save time and mitigate risk through creative problem solving with technology. Walker Locker is the customer success manager for Data and the executive vice president of Construction Progress Coalition. He's here to unpack one of my favorite topics, innovation. Welcome to the show, Walker. Thank you, Todd, very much. Uh, what first attracted you to the trades? Chance. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just so happened to land an internship in college in oil and gas pipeline construction. And okay. they acted a lot more as a general contractor but what I realized by that experience is, A, I don't want to go in oil and gas. <laughs> and B, I really wanted to be involved in, in the technical aspect of building things. Uh, I wanted to be involved in, I wanted to be involved in, in understanding the way that systems work. And when I went to the job fair after that internship, I had a mission to find positions that would fulfill that desire. Nice. Very cool. Uh, so Walker, you wrote a, a great blog uh, a couple of weeks ago titled The Cure or the Curse of the Construction Technologist. I liked it so much. I actually did a whole bonus episode on the podcast, I think like episode 23. Thank uh, you. For those who haven't read it, can you kind of briefly unpack the article? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's this idea of the shopkeeper getting stuck in maintenance mode, right? Or as I, as I used also in the article, when the cure becomes the curse. Mm -hmm. A great trait of many construction technologists that I've come to know is that we're great at hacking things together. And in fact, we're wonderful at getting things up to 70% complete. And um, what we can wind up doing is putting together a solution that's maybe a little too technical, <laughs> maybe a little too complex to expect other members of our team to be able to maintain. And therefore yeah. we wind up becoming the shopkeeper. Uh, and yeah, in, in my own career as a construction technologist, I struggled with this because I made you know, a, a deeply interconnected PDF dashboard and the field team absolutely loved it. It was, it was a massive victory for, for me as an innovator and as a technologist, because uh, it did, it put me in a place in my career where I hadn't been before, uh, or I hadn't spent a whole lot of time before, which is uh, on the job site, talking with mm -hmm. trades workers specifically about their pains and them opening up the conversation, developing a line of trust, and uh, eventually, unfortunately, it, it also put me right back to where I spent a lot of my career, which is in the office maintaining things <laughs> like my dashboard. <laughs> so I, it's, it's a conundrum that a lot of construction technologists can find themselves in if they don't start their initiative being um, super conscious of the whole idea of scalability and asking themselves, how will this scale? And uh, and that it can be aided and prevented also with the help of leadership 
um, the leaders of construction technologists and those that are able to identify, look, we, we need you to continue innovating our organization, not just maintaining something. Yeah. Why do you think it's such an easy um, temptation and kind of pitfall for construction technologists to, to fall into creating this complicated beast? <laughs> I think, I think by nature, construction technologists are industrious people. We're inventive people. And we, we like to figure out how things work. And many times we're known as, you know, jack of all trades. So we'll get in, uh, you know, about knee deep into something, maybe a little bit higher than knee deep and, uh, you know, establish a baseline of, of working competency with something and we'll move on to the next thing. And I think uh -huh. our, our inclination to do that and our inclination to learn in that way makes us see a problem and then think, oh, I have a solution, right? And then to jump into the solution without first, um, without f first considering if the solution might become the problem, right? You're just focused <laughs> on, on jumping into solving the problem as opposed to like the overall organizational pain point, right? Or the overall organizational signalers that, that your specific problem right. pain point addresses points to yeah jumping straight into the what's right in front of you instead of kind of taking time to take a breath step back and see yeah. the the bigger yeah that's Absolutely. interesting uh so in that vein let's step back for a second mm -hmm. how would you define innovation in the context of construction so i think innovation and in, it's i guess it's difficult to define it specifically in the context of construction right um it's almost like pointing at specific actionable things that, that can only be done in construction. And it's, I guess what I'm getting at is that I almost wouldn't define it in the context of construction, right? Why does, con, why does innovation in construction need to look different? And I, I know that people might have, you know, some answers to that as far as different kinds of personalities and, and, uh, and the different kind of workforce, but overall innovation is, is change for the better, right? It's, is changed to have a positive impact. And those kinds of changes, the, the, or the, rather the positive impact might be um, in areas of measurement, in work-life quality, in efficiency, right, in clarity, things like design, for instance, um, or even uh, clarity over things like supply chain, where, where things are. It's, innovation is just change, change for the better, right? It's not any different, uh, I think, necessarily for construction. Yeah. Interesting. So, uh, why should a construction firm really truly care about being innovative? The industry's done things a certain way for a long time. It's worked pretty well. The buildings have gone up. Why care about doing something different? The, the construction industry should care about innovating because of the reality of the labor shortage right? It's the dead horse and it's been beaten and I will beat it again and again. <laughs> but at, at the end of the day, can consider what kind of companies are going to weather this labor shortage well. And mm -hmm. in my estimation, right, it's going to be companies that innovate well. So how can you maximize, how, how can you get your labor to scale, right, with the amount of work that your company needs to do? And that's increasing you know, that's increasing efficiency. Technology is just one is just one method of doing that. But also consider, right, as we're struggling with this labor shortage, what kind of companies are going to be able to attract the labor that they want, the kinds of labor that they want, and keep them. Right? Mm -hmm. Losing an employee 
um, I heard an HR director say once that having to sever ties with an employee can cost up to 60% of their salary, right? That's expensive. Wow. Right? Just yeah. for some, just, and, and of course, innovation is just one way that you can have an impact on that person's work life quality, right? Yeah. And of course, you can raise the question what impact does someone's work life quality have on their work quality, right? But I guess the, the reason why, what I'm getting at, <laughs> to kind of circle back and summarize, is, uh, is what kind of companies, right, are going to weather this labor shortage well? And I really think that it's going to be innovative companies, companies that uh, figure out better ways or figure out how to make positive change in your organization. Yeah. So you said that technology is not the, the only way to, to go about that. What are some other, um, you know, kind of channels that you see as having a big impact on innovation? Culture. Culture from what I've, from what I've seen and what I've experienced isn't, mm -hmm something that the construction industry always takes time to uh, to implement to care for and to nurture in their own organization right nurturing culture isn't about having a great orientation on day one or before day or before day one right it's uh, mm -hmm. nurturing culture is about having a, a consistent intentional approach to to engage uh, every aspect of your your company, every aspect of, of your labor, from the office to um, to, the, to the underground piping ditch out there on the job site, right? So no. I I think I think culture is is one way where the construction construction industry can certainly innovate, and I've seen this going from construction in, into technology, right? Last week we had a seminar on how to on how we can handle our emotions right uh, in a professional manner right in in the construction industry that sounds honestly kind of Mickey Mouse right like are you kidding me but in in the context it's mean, a skill that a lot of people don't have <laughs> right but in, in in you know in the construction industry isn't the only one that struggles with that right sure if if start if Technology startups were perfect at that. Well, then we wouldn't need a seminar, right? People wouldn't even be doing seminars because there'd be no demand for them, right? So it's, it's not necessarily right. an industry agnostic issue, right? It's something that, that affects yeah. all of us. No, it's a person problem. <laughs> right. And, and those are kind of, isn't that not one of the pillars of, of innovation, right? People, process, technology, mm. right? So I think yeah. <laughs> culture, culture, culture is one of the biggest ways that a that a company can innovate its organization aside from technology. Hello, innovators. With much gratitude, I thank you for your continued support, for listening to the show, and for voting us Construction Junkies Best Construction Podcast of 2020. It means so much to everyone working on the podcast to win this distinction especially in our first year as a podcast nominee. I speak for all of us by saying that it is an honor to shine a spotlight on the innovation and change agents throughout construction every week. We have really cool things in store for you all in the coming episodes and months. So stay tuned. And again, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. I love that in your answer, you said you have to be intentional with your culture. And I think that that 
for sure applies to the culture aspect. I also think that that applies to just the technology aspect in general. If you're not intentional across the board with whatever you're trying to, to put into place, you're not going to be successful. You right. have to map it out. You have to be intentional. You have to really think through that. Right. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've never really had the responsibility of, of hiring people, right? So I'll, I'll be honest, I'll preface with that. But um, certainly some, some people that, uh, that I see as, as people who I think are doing it right have said, have said things along the lines of hire people as if you could never fire them, right? Mm. So your culture thing isn't necessarily um, a day one thing. It's a day zero thing. Right, that you're making sure that that you're bring that you're bringing people on board, and guess what? Just as you just said, that's a result of intentionality in the hiring process. It's not on accident, right? But you have to have sure. a mission in order to be able to find uh, talent like that. Sometimes it's literally about uh, who do you have and how much time do they have in order to do that, right? In order to be intentional, if someone's primary way of getting paid inside of their organization is, is being a project manager, then, and you assign them over an innovation initiative, then, uh, then chances are they're going to put a lot more time. They're going to put a lot more attention into being a project manager than into being a construction technologist during that, uh, during that time that they need to be. So what I heard there Mm -hmm. is it's about priorities and, uh, really, aligning the priorities with innovation, if, if that's where you want to go. Uh, what do you think are some ways to kind of encourage firms in that process? Right. So I think number one, or day, another day zero thing, right, um, at the onset of innovation that's required is alignment, right? So uh, Companies, construction companies can often struggle with not having alignment between um, their top leadership. So that might be uh, a CTO, that might be the president of the company, that might be the CFO, right? Somebody with decision-making ability, someone who understands the the quarterly goals for the entire organization, right? And someone with the authority Mm -hmm. and, and the spending power. And then um, there's, there also can often be misalignment between in IT departments and construction technologists themselves, right? It's almost as if they act as separate entities. And uh, you, but what's the saying? Anything with more than one head you call a monster? But there needs to be alignment between those initiatives and, and not just alignment, there needs, to be, uh, there needs to be a clear directive for for both of those parts of the organization so that they're working mm-hmm. together to, um, to that, the cause, that overarching cause, which I point to, pointed to before, which is the, the current goals or the quarterly goals for, uh, for the entire organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so going back to your, your blog that you wrote, uh, one of the things that I thought was a really interesting point was that you mentioned construction technologists can often come kind of too busy to, to innovate. Um, what are some ways to avoid having so much activity and to do's that you kind of get handcuffed to be that, have that space to be innovative? I would point back to the article and the, the four traits of highly scalable technology, 
right? Uh-huh. And I would encourage people to, to look at those or at the onset of their innovation initiatives, right? And not mm-hmm. that in my case, building a dashboard was necessarily bad. It gave me a wonderful foothold inside of my organization. The issue was, is that there was no plan to get that to scale to the, to the broader part of the organization, right? Yeah. And, and frankly, you know, I didn't communicate the need to do that very well. I didn't know the need to do that very well, but you have to communicate the need, the, the need to do that. Hey, I'm pursuing this, right? This isn't, uh, this isn't scalable because of these misalignments from those traits of highly scalable technology, right? I'm going to need the yeah. resources in, in order to pursue other, um, other initiatives if this is successful. Or not other initiatives, but other solutions to this problem if this is successful, right? And then um, part, part of getting technology to scale is is crowdsourcing the support of it, right? You can't be the the linchpin of technology for your organization. And again, talking about the often or sometimes relatively adversarial uh, relationship between IT and um, and construction technologists, right? Because one says one one side says, "Well, you don't understand construction." The other one says, "Well, you don't understand uh, you don't understand IT systems." You don't. And really, we have two people who have a robust understanding of, of their own field. Um, in that case, that need to work with each other and to trust each other. Because mm-hmm. um, guess what, IT typically is very good at supporting and scaling technology, right? That's uh, many times, that's the reason why they get into IT in the first place, right? Is to support and scale technology, right? A construction technologist, a lot of the times, uh, the reason why you're getting into that is because you're good and you're interested at applying technology to construction processes, not necessarily that you're good at even implementing them or supporting them. Yeah. How do you go about... Uh, kind of champion and being the cheerleader for the innovation project that you're working on in order to democratize it and and pull in more people throughout the company so that you're not the one trapped by your own creation. As a construction technologist, you interact with different components of the business, right? As as I've mentioned Mm -hmm. before, and really this is got to give credit to the share pains podcast uh, for this idea a construction technologist is is the human API, right? Um, yeah. You need to bridge the gap, so to speak, as a construction technologist between um, between your office or technology, whatever, uh, however you want to characterize that, and um, and your field operations, and act as an ambassador uh, of sorts. And part of that is discovering people who are, who are willing to champion initiatives for you, or who are willing. Um, not just to try things out, but uh, to, to really take some responsibility as, so, as a support component, right? And, and a lot of times, mm-hmm. this is something that I ask my customers uh, for all the time is, who, who is a local champion for you on this job site, right? Who's, who's the person that if somebody has an issue, they can, they can call and they can ask for help? right? So a willing participant, mm-hmm. right? Who you have a good relationship. If something goes wrong, they'll call you because people don't always call you when things go wrong. <laughs> they just stop using it. Right? <laughs> they just talk and, about it. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then the iPad goes into complain paperweight about it. <laughs> mode. Yeah. And, and yeah. the iPad goes into paperweight mode, right? Which is when it's been locked for so long that it just finally has zero more juice uh, or zero juice to be on yeah. standby anymore. And it, it functions as a paperweight on your desk or on your drawing table, right? 
So I think that has a lot to do with, um, with building those relationships. And also, again, picking scalable technology, right? Is something going to be overbearing? Is something going um, to be too much for somebody else, uh, for you to be able to expect somebody else to support as an extension of your mm -hmm. own initiative, right? And it's mm -hmm. not just about shirking, like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to load everybody else up with this work so that I don't have to and I can move on to other initiatives. It's not about that. Um, it's not about that yeah. at all. And many times that's where IT comes in, right? If you work with them and you develop a good relationship with, um, with IT, then chances are they were on the same boat as you when, um, when you all work to implement the technology, right? So it's yeah. about yeah. developing those relationships and establishing that respect. Hey, MEP friends, looking for a competitive edge? MEP Force is the event for you. It has become the gathering place for industry leaders throughout MEP to come together and learn the new technology trends in prefabrication and more. The best part is that it's all industry-led and driven, meaning real people from the trades will be leading the almost 80 breakout sessions. So you will be getting real-life practical examples and use cases to take back and implement right away. This year, it's all virtual. So if you register now, you will have access to all the breakout sessions even after the official event is over. Go to mepforce.com to register today and use promo code BTG99 to get your ticket for only $99. That's an almost 80% discount. See you virtually at MEP Force. Yeah, I think that that's really interesting that you're bringing it back to the ability to form and build relationships because it's, that's not one of the first things that you think of with getting innovation off the ground. You know, mm -hmm. I think most people probably go to, Oh, what technology are they talking about? Or and what new system are they going to be implementing when really it, it goes back to just the basics of human interaction is right. in order to build anything, you got to have relationships being built with people. So to take that time intentionally and focus on culture and just the, the human connection, it can get you so much further. And that's such a uh, great launching pad to innovation. Absolutely. And it's, it, it is in a way like, you know, acting, acting as a, as a missionary in your own, like in your own organization for, for a specific cause or ideology, right? Which is innovation yeah. and technology. Um, right. But a, a lot of times our, our tendency can, can be a mercenary, right? I got to go on a crusade, right? Yeah. I got to, I'm fighting the good fight. And um, in, in lieu of that, you know, you, you have to, you have to find people uh, where they're at and the struggles that, that they're struggling with. I think a great example of, uh, of, of that, of a mismatch like that is email. <laughs> like what kind of foreman, honestly, I, I mean, Think about your, you've been a plumber, I don't know, for eight years or whatever, you get into a foreman position and they give you an iPhone and an email address. You're like, what am I going to do? What am I going to use this for? Right. right. Compliance. <laughs> the email is about compliance. A lot of times, right. It's about, um, it's, it's about, oh, well, I have to do my daily report and I have to email this to somebody or uh, I have to fill some kind of obligation with this tool. Not that, Hey, this is something that helps me get my job mm -hmm. done better. Right. I've heard some business leaders say, well, you know, we're, we're not too sure about, you know, bringing on some kind of document distribution system because we're having a hard time getting our foreman just to check email. 
and like in the back of my head, I'm like, <laughs> probably because they don't feel like it helps them, right? But you right. have to know where yeah. they're at in that. And, and instead of leveraging technology to give them more work, figure out how to leverage technology to, to, um, to help them accomplish their work, right? Or if you give them more work, um, how can you use technology so that they can accomplish it without it adding this unnecessary overhead to the rest of the responsibilities? Because again, going back to what do people get measured by, like a project manager? Well, the foreman doesn't always get mm -hmm. measured by um, how many emails they send, right? Or even if they um, open up a document, they get measured on labor efficiency. Sure. Yeah. We have a saying at Applied that uh, tell them the why. And so it's mm -hmm. what that means is when you, you're rolling out something new or you want somebody to do something, tell them why you are rolling it out and uh, you know the, the reasoning behind it. And a lot of times when people understand the why behind something, they're way more likely to go along with it. Even if they disagree with it, they're like, okay, I can see that point. So back to the email thing, you tell them the why behind it, then they can go, all right, I may not like it, but I understand why it's important. And so yeah. I, I think that that's, it's not a, a common instinct that a lot of people have, but when you do take the time to unpack the why, it's, it's pretty crazy how much you can win people over just by that simple thing. And I, I think also something that, um, something that just about anybody can um, benefit from, and this is like me included, is say the why to yourself before you say it to somebody else, right? <laughs> That's and, probably good. <laughs> You'll probably change and, it once you if, hear it aloud. <laughs> right. But, but if, it, if it sounds like BS to you, or if it sounds shaky to you, then it's probably not a very good reason right? You, yeah. can't, um, you can't just force change people on uh, for no reason at all, right? So not just saying the why, but also making sure you have, a, you have a pretty darn good why to give somebody before you ask them to commit to something, right? Yeah. No, and, I think that's really important because you got to believe it yourself because you're not going to sell anybody on your concept if you're not believing in it. Right. And, and I do think that, that it's, it's really part of reciting the why to yourself um, I feel like personally that that would help me check myself for any kind of political agenda <laughs> that that I might be trying to push, right? Yeah. And I, I think in any kind of organization, especially where you're trying to act as an influencer, um, you're trying to garner political capital and and figure out how to leverage it in order to get an accomplishment done. And sometimes the end of that or the the, the ends that you're trying to achieve is um, success in your own career. The issue with that though is that. Um, innovation and politics stand opposed to one another. <laughs> Can you truly progress under political motivation? And as the more, the more I see and the more I ponder on it, the answer for me is no, right? Not yeah. that politics are, are always bad or that they don't have a place inside of an organization because they do. But it's risk averse. It is. Generally. And, and it's not always, politi politics aren't always in it for fixing a problem. Right. Many times sure. politics, again, they're in it for um, I'm doing this because I'll get more influence in the company because I have an opportunity to be a, a, a part owner of the firm. Right. It's like, well, if I add this to my resume, then um, then X, Y, Z. But it's like, if, you know, if, if I use X, Y, Z software, even though it may not be the very best thing, then um, in their eyes, I'll have some kind of relational benefit with them. So uh, if, we use, if we use their software over here, then we'll get a, a, a deal over on these things here when the software mm -hmm. may not solve the problem, 
right? May right. not solve the problem that that you, that you endeavored to solve to begin with. Yeah. So, uh, you know, with all the the social distancing of the last several months, do you think that that has helped or hurt innovation? Well, I think the Zoom stock kind of represents <laughs> what... Um, Man, if I had only invested in right? Zoom right before all this. <laughs> I saw a YouTube video of, of this woman uh, who like went back in time and she like talked to herself pre-quarantine. Yeah. And she was like, just invest in Zoom stock. And the <laughs> former version of herself was like, what? Why? Ew, no. It's like, just trust me. You'll, you'll really yeah. appreciate it. You'll like yeah. it. It'll be good. <laughs> yeah, right. But I, I think that companies, I mean, I'll actually go as far to say that customers that I've worked with that, done, that have done a good job of decentralizing their tech stack and preparing for work at home situations are patting mm-hmm. themselves on the back right now. And those companies oh, yeah. that aren't are saying we need to change for good, right? Not we need to change for COVID. We need to change until the summer. Uh, summer's over. We need to change until things go back to normal. They're saying, nope, normal looks different now, right? So yeah. yes, I, I, think it, I think it really has, um, I, I think my customer inter- interactions have very much gravitated uh, lately towards how do we continue to innovate? How do we continue to, to decentralize our workforce, de- decentralize our tech stack, um, to make people more, in, more of an independent workspace with just their body and their laptop? And um, that's, at least for Datal, that's reflecting in our customer, um, in, both in our customer interactions and our prospect interactions. Right. They, uh, they're ready for change. And that's why um, we're continuing to see people make inquiries through this, um, through this point in time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really exciting time because, you know, there was, you had your leaders in the industry before all this that were doing really cool things that were really pushing the, the envelope on technology and, uh, you know, how to collaborate better. But all this is just, I mean, you know, the whole sink or swim mentality mm-hmm. of it, you were forced to go into this. And those that were hesitant, I, I hopefully have seen that, you know, it's, it's not too scary. The, the water's pretty warm. You're going to be all right. You, you can swim in this, these waters. Um, yeah. So I, I think it'll be really interesting because I totally agree that the the new or the old normal is, is gone. Uh, I think we'll, bring some stuff that we used to do back into this new world as we start to, to come out of things a bit, but it's, it's going to look different and technology is a, a great way to kind of, um, you know, ease a lot of the, the burdens that and frustrations that a lot of teams were having. Right. And I mean, it, frankly, it, it also goes back to that point of how are you going to attract the talent that you want? right? Or the talent that your organization needs and providing benefits, like being mm-hmm. able to work from home, um, yeah. you know, in, in perpetuity uh, beyond just COVID-19, that can be the difference maker, right? Even though uh, maybe at, at your company's point in time right now, um, you can't afford to pay them a higher salary, right? Yeah. But oh, they can, um, they can work from home, right? Yeah. Is that going sure. to, is that going to, to win people over? And I think, yes. I've been working. Um, I've been working remotely uh, since September 9th, two thousand and nineteen. Right, uh, Dato is based off of the West Coast, and it's been wonderful. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard to pull a lot of people back into the office. <laughs> 
and and uh, having people in the office isn't always without you know some kind of w- without economic impact, right? right? Not to mention uh, not just to mention the risk of having bodies in a space, but um, at, at my at the former company that I worked with, uh, each department would pay rent on their offices to the larger organization, right? So if if your department took ten offices, you would pay rent. Uh every month that or that that department would pay rent and that would come out of that department's budget yeah. right to the larger organization and that was just part of them uh, measuring costs there's nothing wrong with that i'm not knocking it but um i guess the point is it's not without economic impact right to be physically located yeah. in the office sure or even productivity i i think i'm actually more productive at home than in the office because you can control interruptions in a better way than you can in the office. If somebody chats me, I can wait 30 seconds to finish my thought or whatever I'm working on and then look at that. Where if somebody comes up in the office and they come to my desk, I can't be just like, oh, oh hold on. <laughs> Let me finish this. I, you can, but you know, it's it's much easier to control that remotely. I, I agree. And my I've, I've led some customer conversations where it's literally like, let's not talk about data, right? For the first you know, 30 minutes of this 45 minute call. Let's just talk about what's going on in your company right now. And everybody is echoing what, what you're saying, right? I'm getting so much more work done. I'm more productive. I do think though, especially as an, as an extrovert, right? There's an amount of nourishment that I get from getting hit up by people, right? Like them coming by the office and chatting, chatting up, even about things that aren't necessarily, um, aren't necessarily work related, but, um, I, I personally get, uh, I personally get energy from that. I think there's a balance to, to be, to be struck, right. Between, um, between 100% remote and those valuable, um, social interactions. I mean, as a matter of fact, uh, culture and social or non-work interactions, Dato has Aloha Friday. Every Friday we wear Hawaiian shirts and we get on for a happy hour and we play games. Nice. Uh, or yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll some a team member will will host and we'll have a um, we'll have a great time. We'll give each other a hard time. We'll give uh, give each other crap for all the all the shenanigans we did over the previous week. You know, have have some brews. But that's that's valuable interaction right there. And yeah, it's an hour lost out of yeah, the work sure. day, right? But um, but. As a result of that, I live in Texas. The majority of my coworkers live over there on the West Coast, and I don't feel isolated from them. Right? It, it, yeah. it strengthens strengthens that relationship as people that I care about. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, what in, in the last couple of years, what kind of new belief or, or habit has helped you embrace an innovative mindset more? Shut up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, nice. so I, I attended Prairie View A&M university, right? That is a historically black college. It's 
um, African-American attendance. I was one of 300 students, 300 white students on, on, that, um, on that campus and one in 1,000 non-African-American students. And something, something happens when you're in a situation that you've never been before, right? And um, for me, what happened is that I learned that sometimes I just need to be quiet and listen, right? Yeah. And um, not, not internalize or not get defensive around um, what people telling, people telling you that their struggles are. In the field, that translates to people who have a different walk, uh, walk of life than I have had, right? Maybe someone, um, maybe someone who didn't, didn't go to college, right? Or no one in their family has ever gone to college. In fact, they're, they're the first person, at them becoming a plumber or them becoming a startup technician is a ceiling that's been broken, right? Um, in, in their entire um, heritage or lineage or what have you. For them, right, they're mm -hmm. the... They're the standard bearer in their family or the breadwinner in their family. Being able um, to sit there and, and listen to uh, their feedback in the way that they will give it to you and not the way that you would prefer them to is really valuable. Understanding that when someone's screaming right now, they're not exactly screaming at you. They're, they're pissed off at something and that's just a way that they communicate. And there's, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And, um, trying to view that or trying to, to, to view them and, and the way that they um, handle that from their point of view and shut up and listen can, yeah. um, can be a valuable tool. And it garners, um, it garners trust. Um, it garners respect. I think, um, I think that I, I often hear people not, not give skilled trades workers the respect that they're due. They'll say, well, you need to dumb mm -hmm. it down. We need something. Walker, we, we need, we need you to dumb it down for us. And the truth is you don't pay someone, you don't pay a, like a, a superintendent $60 an hour because they're dumb, right? If you're paying a superintendent $60 an hour because they're dumb, they're not the dumb ones, you are, right? <laughs> Rather, um, the entry point needs to be lowered, right? They still need an intelligent tool. Um, in, in the case of what attracted me to Dato was that Dato is still an intelligent tool. It's made for intelligent people, right? It doesn't disrespect um, its users. And we don't, um, we don't market around having something that we've dumbed down, right? We market mm -hmm. around having um, made an intelligent solution that is usable, right? So that documents that, okay, before you only had access to, not only do you have access to them now, now they're accessible. I love the, you know, just stop talking. <laughs> uh, you know, listen for understanding that there's, you can learn things from when people talk. If you're seeking to actually try to understand what they, where they're coming from and their motivations and, and just give them the benefit of the doubt, you know, they're, sure. you know, you said the, the example of they're yelling at you. They're probably not mad at you. They're mad at the situation. So if you can sit down, hear them out, understand that motivation behind the anger, then you can come along and actually start to make progress instead of just trying to, you know, respond to all the little incoming jabs that don't really need to be responded to. Right. And even this reminds me again of another cultural thing, right? That data does, does great. Um, at our retreat, we had this one gentleman, um, uh, lead us through a series of sessions that helped us recognize people as people 
even though we feel like they've done us wrong, right? Mm. We can do all these things to dehumanize um, mm. somebody whenever uh, we feel like they've put us in a bad position, right? They're not a person anymore. They're a jerk, right? Yeah. Um, and, but being able to reset yourself and to break from that and to turn and to treat them like a human being, um, it, it, it breaks what, because they expect you, right? Oh, you're a jerk, right? They expect you to retaliate, right? And when you just don't, you kind of, you, you broke it. Like you broke the system. You broke how this works. Yeah. And um, people tend to garner respect, more respect for one another instead of um, saying a whole bunch of crappy things and then um, being too afraid to come back to one another and apologize after you feel bad, bad about it. Yeah, oh, that's a great point. Uh, so tell us more about Dato and, and how people get a hold of you. Yeah. So Dato is a construction intelligence search engine. That's a lot of marketing jargon to basically say that Dato is a very forgiving search engine, um, just like some other uh, search engines that, that you may have used in non-construction related activities. Um, Dato has the ability to infer meaning from the, from the things that you're asking of it, right? So a common example I use is if you say AHU, it knows to search your document set for air handling unit. And additionally, we're finding that our customers are often um, locating information they didn't even know they needed, right? So nice. if, uh, if I'm foreman on the job site, there is a clarification made in an RFI uh, for that air handling unit, then my query won't just result in my submittal, right? Or my specification, but mm. it's going to it's going to include anything inside of that document that including that RFI that references that air handling unit. Oh, wow. Cool. And how do people uh, find out more information or, or, or get a hold of you guys? Well, you can go to uh, projectdato.com in order to learn more about our solution. Uh, if you're uh, if you're interested in reaching out directly, uh, I am still a construction technologist, and I love to geek out. Uh, so I'd love to geek out with you. You can reach out to me uh, via my email, Walker at projectdato.com. Nice, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Walker. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Todd. And thank you to all those listening. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software, at asdi.com for more information. You can listen anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. Until next time, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Thanks for listening to the Bridging the Gap podcast. Enjoyed the episode? Leave us a rating or review while sharing with your friends and coworkers. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a LinkedIn request or follow our LinkedIn page and let me know if there's a topic you'd like to hear. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bridging the Gap is directed by Todd Wyan, produced by Alyssa Chartier, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production, copyright applied software 2020.